Why don't we stand and read James chapter 1, verse 26. Praise God. James chapter number 1 and verse number 26. It says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Amen. And the topic of my a Bible study tonight is bridle the tongue, bridle the tongue. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. Turn over a couple chapters to chapter number three. And I want to read uh, James chapter three. We can start in verse two. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man or a mature man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. For every beast, every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poisons. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and wherewith curse we men that are made after the similitude or in the image of God. Out of the same heart proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Amen. Bridle your tongue. We are going to talk about our words today. Bridle simply means <clears throat> to curb or to keep. It means to lead to drive, or to bring. In other words, we need to lead our tongue through God's word. Amen. We need to drive that tongue in the right direction, and we need to bring it and lay it upon the altar. After service one day, a lady came up to the altar and said, Pastor, I've come to lay my tongue upon the altar. And he looked at her and he says, I don't think it's going to work. Our altar's only 12 feet long. Hopefully that's not your case. But the Bible tells us in James chapter 3 verse 8, no, but no man, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You can lead it. You can drive it. But don't turn your back on it because it's full of deadly poison and it will bite you 
Amen. Somebody said one time, make your words sweet. You may have to eat them someday. Have you ever had to eat your words? Have you ever had to say something that you just needed to wish you could just bring that back? After it already crossed your lips, it was too late. It's an unruly evil. It's not what you wanted to say. It's not really your nature, but it just slipped out. I have a bad problem with that that I'm working on. It's called sarcasm. used to get me in trouble a lot when I was working in the post office. I would use sarcastic words to get my point across. Somebody came in late to work and early in the morning, I'd say, good afternoon. Good to have you show up to work. Got so bad that actually the postmaster had to call me into the office and tell me to watch my words. So our words do make a difference, and I've been working on that. We need to make our words sweet. You know, and as I was preparing, you know, I have this iPad or whatever you want to call it. I'm not very technical, technically challenged or whatever. Is that what you saw? But anyway, every now and then when I'm on my iPad, there'll be a news flash pop up on my screen. And I had one pop up on my screen as I was... Uh, studying for this lesson here. It says, Megan Merkel's resurfaced blog comes back to haunt her. And I'm not really sure who Megan Markle is, but I think she married one of the princesses, Harry or Henry or something like that. But she must be a pretty popular person to make the news. I don't really care who she is. Resurfaced blog, and I didn't know what a blog was, so I looked it up. A blog is an informal website published on the World Wide Web consisting of discrete, often informal, diary-style text entries. So I guess you can go on the web, the www.something, and the World Wide Web, and make yourself a blog, and you can start putting on there your thoughts for the day or your diary-style text. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? A lot of older people out there, probably just like me, have no idea what I'm talking about. But anyway, she was in. That's where you can go in and you can put your little diary comments on there. But something resurfaced on one of her blog. It came back to haunt her. And so I thought, well, that's that's a good uh, point to make in my Bible study tonight. So I don't know if you're on the Internet. I don't know if you're on Facebook or Twitter or all those other things. But those are your words that you're putting out there. Amen. We need to be careful what we say. Our words are powerful. They say that men speak about 20,000 words a day. And women speak about 30,000 words a day. With gust up to 50,000. One woman said the only reason that we say twice as much is because we're always having to repeat ourselves to men who are not listening. Wow. Sounds like somebody needs to get to the altar. That kind of hit a vein right there. I don't want to get involved in that argument tonight other than to say our words are important. 
But James chapter 3 verse 8 says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly, is unruly evil full of deadly poison. So two thoughts come to my mind. If it's not able to be tamed by us, are we responsible for our words? We can't tame it, so are we responsible? The short answer to that is yes. It's not telling us that we're not responsible for our words, but it's telling us that we cannot overcome this on our own. Psalms 139, one of my favorite psalms came to mind as I thought about this. And it's the 139 says, Oh Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know my down sitting, my uprising. You understand my thought that's afar off. You can pass my path and my lying down and you're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. You can't say anything in secret. Amen. You can't go to somebody and say, hey, don't don't repeat this. It's going to be repeated. Someday, if not here on this earth, it's going to be repeated. There's not a word in your tongue. Think about that. God knows everything we're saying. It will help us change our words a little bit, I think, on that. But he said that, you know, he said, you searched me, God, right? He said, you have searched me. He, and he says, you know everything about me. But then in verse 23 of the same chapter, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So he asked him, even though he knows he searched me, searched him, he asked the Lord to search him. Search me, God, even though he knows he's already knows everything, right? We have the responsibility upon us to ask the Lord, hallelujah, to search us, to come into our hearts. That old song, that old hymn at Calvary came to mind. Mercy there was grace and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. At Calvary. Y'all remember that old hymn? But you know the first message to the church by Peter on the day of Pentecost. Peter said, when they said, what do we need to do? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for their mission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as our Lord, our God shall call. It's a great gift, and it's a great promise. But in verse 40, he said, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. So just because the Lord has made a way for us does not mean that we are automatically saved. You cannot sit on your couch and just say, I believe in God, and think that you are saved. There is some responsibility upon each and every one of us to receive the gift and to respond to the promises of God. In the same way, we are responsible for the words that we say. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, But I say unto you that every idle word, idle just simply means useless, unemployed. It doesn't do anything. 
It's an idle word. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Every word we speak, some of us speak 20,000 words a day. The Bible itself, I looked up, only contains a little over 800,000 words. That's a little about 40 days of us talking, we would fill up a book the size of the Bible. And so our whole lifetimes being recorded, the words that we speak, are we are going to give an account thereof for them in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be contempt condemned it's by our words is how we're going to be justified amen it's by our words is how we're going to be condemned ephesians 5 verse 3 says but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. So, yes, we are responsible for our words. So the second thought that comes to mind when you think about that, okay, if, if we're judged by our words, if the tongue can't be tamed, let's, let's just not say anything. Amen. Let's just become a monk. The story about the man inspiring to be a monk, you know, he wanted to go. So he went to the monastery and talked to the chief monk there and said, I want to become a monk. And he said, okay, you got to take a vow of three years of silence. He said, okay. He said, at the end of each year, I'll let you say two words. So the first year came by and passed and he came into the chief of the monks and the monk said, okay, what do you have to say? He said, bed hard and he went back to his room another year he worked another year and said nothing came back to this, at the end of the second year and the chief monk said okay what do you have to say and he said food cold the senior monk said okay sent him back to his room and at the end of the third year he came in and the monk said what do you have to say this year and he said i quit And the senior monk says, well, I'm not surprised. All you've done is complain since you've been here. We can either look on the good or we can look on the bad. How many know there's a lot of bad out there? How many know there's, there's a lot of bad in each other? In each other, You can look into my life. If you look very closely, and you don't even have to look very closely, you're going to see a lot of things that you can talk about but how about let's look on the good things how about let's look on the things that are right the things that are honest the things that are just pure lovely and of good report amen let's think upon these things and then our mouth will proceed out of us god does not want us to be isolated he doesn't want us to be silent as a matter of fact in hebrews ten twenty-five, he said don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. 
we need to come into the house of God, not with the latest gossip, not with the latest news on the individual across the church, but exhorting one another. How you doing, brother? Is everything okay, sister? You can make it. God is with you. Exhorting one another. We need to lift one another up. And the Bible tells us that we are overcomers by the word of our testimonies. We look into the Bible and we see that God started this whole thing by simply speaking the word, the world into existence. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth and the word became flesh jesus christ robed himself in flesh and spoke the word to his creation amen and he desires for us to speak the word psalms 34 verse 1 says i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth not just at church, not just in prayer time, but continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Yes, we are responsible for our words and no, we are not to be silent, even though the tongue can no man tame. For in many things, if we go back to James chapter 3, verse 2, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. For in many things we offend all. We stumble, don't we? We all stumble. We stumble at many things. And 1 Corinthians 15, 54 tells us we won't be perfect until this mortality has put on immortality. We're going to struggle with this flesh. Doesn't mean we can't be overcomers. Amen. We're going to struggle with this tongue, but it doesn't mean we can't bridle the tongue. Amen. We know that we are going to struggle with this old flesh that we are in. Until we put on immortality. And then we shall be like him. Hallelujah. In the old country churchyard in England. There stands a drab gray slated stone. That shows the ravages of time. It's leaning slightly, slightly to one side. The epitaph that's written on it. Can only be read if you stoop over and look very closely. And it says beneath this stone. A clump of clay. Lies Arabella Young who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. So it wasn't until she had died that she was able to hold that tongue of hers. And that's how it's going to be for all of us, but I hope it's not in that such of a derogatory statement that's on her epitaph. I hope that's not on yours. Amen. But one day, when we pass from this life, amen, that's when we will not be doing any more gossiping won't be doing any more sinning 
Amen. It will be over. Hallelujah. But we need to make sure that when we go to that grave, when we meet our Savior, that we have tried to the best of our ability to bridle this tongue and to overcome this flesh. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Not that I have already obtained, or am I already perfected, but I press on. In other words, I haven't arrived yet, but I press on. It says in that verse 2 of James 3, If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. He's a mature individual. Control of the tongue is one of the primary evidences that validates your Christianity. Think about that. We can listen to each other talk, and it's the primary, the most important thing that is evidence of our Christianity. Amen? I can remember uh, I had had this... Like I said, I'm, I have this ability to quickly respond to uh, insults. I can I can respond right back. And I did that one time, and after I did it, I thought, man, I, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't come back with that. And this was about five years ago that this happened. And... Um, I don't know how long it was. I think it was about a year, maybe two years. When I'd get down to pray, this thought kept coming in the back of my mind. It says, you need to call that individual, ask him to forgive you, you know. And I put it off, put it off, put it off. I thought, you know, it's just the devil trying to interrupt my prayer time, you know. What, you know, all these things you start rationalizing. What if they didn't think anything about it and then you present it to them and then they, then they get mad because, you know, you brought it back up and, and all this. So I, I fought against it and fought against it and fought against it. And then it's just not too long ago. I, uh, said, okay, Lord, I don't know if this is you speaking to me or just the devil trying to interrupt my prayer time, but I've had enough of it. I said, if you remind me, because I pray in the morning, he said, I said, if you remind me during the course of the day to call this individual, I'm going to call him. So sure enough, I'm driving down the road, and it comes up. And I said, oh, no. So I just instantly dialed the person's number, asked him to forgive me. And we had a great conversation. We both laughed about it and everything. <clears throat> but when I hung up the phone, at the end, of it's like a burden, like a load of bricks. Lifted off of my shoulders. It was like, it's just amazing how when we make things right, it just eases our conscience and helps us to feel so much better. The better part of that is, is to bridle the whole body and you go away from that. Man, I don't want to have to struggle with that. But it it's a struggle, right? When we let those words out and we wish we could bring them back again, it's just a struggle. We fight against it and it's it's just a something that's so detrimental to our to our walk with the Lord and to our prayer life. And so when we do that, that release and that just freedom that you give, but it makes you conscious, and that's really where it brought me to this Bible study. It makes you conscious of the fact that, hey, why don't I just watch my words and I won't have to go through that again. Amen. You're having problems in other areas of your walk with the Lord, with your flesh, 
If you're having situations in your own flesh, you can start by curbing and keeping your tongue. Because verse 2 also says if he's a perfect man that does not offend in word, either perfect or mature, and able also to bridle the whole body. Amen. It starts with your mouth. You know why? Because your mouth is attached to your heart. James chapter 1 that we read, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridle, if not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. It just simply means deceiveth means to cheat or to delude, to frustrate the intentions of the heart. We all have good intentions, right? We all want to do the right things. Well, that's why we need to bridle this old mouth. Try to get control of it, push it in the right direction. Lead it in the way that God desires it to go through his word. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure. Your treasure, it calls it treasure. Whatever you treasure, that evil treasure in your heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It tells you a lot about your heart when you speak. Listen to yourself. We speak in many different ways. Sometimes we talk to ourselves. And either way, we need to realize that whatever we're speaking to ourselves or we're speaking to others, our conversation tells us a lot about our heart. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Turn with me in your Bibles. It'll be on the screen, but hopefully you have your Bibles, like Brother Easter said. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then came, Jesus, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, and saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. This was the great question that they brought to Jesus. Why are not your disciples washing your hands before they eat? So remember how your mom had you wash your hands before you ate all the time? It's not in the Word of God. Amen. Skip down to verse 7. You hypocrites, well did Elias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So here we kind of have the opposite things. Our mouth is producing, producing praise and worship. And, but if you're honoring him just with your mouth and not with your heart, he says, you're a hypocrite. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude unto them and he said, hear and understand. It's not that which goeth into the mouth, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. This defiles a man. Then his disciples said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? You offended 
the religious leaders of the day. We'll skip that part, but Jesus said, let the blind lead the blind. But in verse 15, then Peter said unto him, declare unto us this parable. What, what were you trying to say? And Jesus said, are you also without understanding? Do you not understand that whatsoever entereth into at the mouth goeth into the belly, is cast into the drop, goes into the mouth, goeth into the belly, and then it's disposed of. That's what goes in. But those things which proceed out of the mouth cometh forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Our words are important. Amen. Our words are powerful. Let's look back at James chapter 3. And in verses 3 through 5, he uses some metaphors. He said, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they turn, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor or the captain desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. So he starts with the horse, and he said, this horse, these powerful horses, it's much stronger than a man. He says, you can tame that horse, you can get on its back once and tame that horse, and you can put a bit in its mouth, and you can pull that rein if you have the reins on one side or the other, and you can direct anybody ever rode a horse. Probably most of us have ridden a horse at one time or another. And he said, behold, also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And we read every year about forest fires, fires that were started and Sometimes they're just started by the flick of a cigarette, the carelessness of somebody not putting out a campfire, just a little thing. And it can scorch hundreds of thousands of acres if it gets out of hand. So he starts with just the horses, then it goes to the ships, an even bigger vessel, and then to an out-of-control fire. The Bible talks about fire always says it is not enough. Fire just needs more. It just laps up more. The Bible tells us that the tongue is a fire set on the fire of hell. But all these things, when you look at the horse and the, and the bits in the horse's mouth and the helm on a great ship, those are used to direct those two objects. And you can change your life by the words that you speak. Let me just say that again. You can change the direction of your life by the words that you choose to speak. Amen? You can go a different direction. You've never ever known anybody that just, they were negative all the time, just negative, 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 negative. 
And uh, that's what their life becomes, negative. That's what they're looking for. That's what they get. You can change the direction of your life by changing your words. And I know there's this philosophy of positive thinking and, you know, if you're sick, don't claim it. You know, don't claim it. I, I don't go that far. You know, if you're sick, you're sick. <laughs> if you got a financial problem, you got a financial problem, right? All these things. If you got trouble in the family, you got trouble in the family. These, these things are life, but it's how we approach them and how we speak about those things, how we declare those things. And I can remember having a situation I've testified about it before, but I was just thinking, you know, there is no hope in this situation. I had hit rock bottom. Well, that's when God can actually turn it around. I had to repent of that saying (laughs) because I was thinking there is no hope, but with God, all things are possible. There is hope. You can change your life by the words that you speak. Praise God. In everything, give him praise. Amen. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Hallelujah. You're going to have tribulation in this world. The Bible talks about it. Jesus said, "You, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to dwell upon the bad things. Amen. You can look up and realize that your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Change your life by changing your words. James 3, verse 7. Remember, the tongue cannot be tamed by man. It says in verse 7, But every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed to man. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poisons. Wherewith bless we God, even the Father and Therewith curse we men that are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brother, and these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brother, bear all of berries, either of vine figs? So no, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. I begin to think about, you know, right here, in Orlando, we can go over to SeaWorld and we can watch the killer whale, right? And they make that whale do tricks. They've tamed that killer whale. You can go to the circus and watch the lion tamers, supposedly the lions, the king of the, of the forest. But people have tamed the lions. I've personally ridden on a elephant over here, Melbourne Circus or whatever it was. I got on and rode an elephant. I went to Israel and I rode on a camel. All these beasts have been tamed, amen, by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It says in verse 8, it is, it is, everybody say it is, an unruly evil. Not sometimes, not it is maybe, not it it is part of the time, but it is. That is a definite statement. And in verse 10 where he said, when we do these things, these things ought not to be. Amen? So in other words, we need God's help. 
<laughs> we need God's help. We can bridle the tongue by renewing the heart. Amen. Romans 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mind and heart go hand in hand. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3 and verse 9. <clears throat> it says, lie not one to another. Seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where neither is there Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, whatever that one is, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Most of our conflicts are caused by our mouth. Our words start the fights. Amen. And he says, no matter what's happened to you, Remember this, even as Christ forgave you, do also ye. And I know I can stand and testify, I did not deserve forgiveness, but God gave me forgiveness. So I can't hold anything against anybody if I expect for God to forgive me. Amen. And above all these things put on Charity, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Amen. Just by starting to be thankful, to thank God for all things, to thank God and look on the things that are thankful, it can change your life. It'll, it'll lengthen your life. They've done studies on it and proven that people that are thankful live longer. Amen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word and in deed, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Second Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You cannot overcome this tongue with carnal devices. 
We're in a battle. It's a warfare. This tongue's a mighty weapon. Somebody said it's the only tool that gets sharper with use. Most tools will get dull as you use them, but the tongue gets sharper with more use of it. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Hallelujah. There's our answer. It's through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Because before you speak, you have that thought. Usually. Sometimes we speak before we think. Sometimes we say we just want to give them a piece of our mind. To which one pastor replied, be careful you don't have that much to give up. In closing, I want to talk about three things we can do to bridle the tongue. Number one, look up. Look up. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We need to look up. We don't need to look around so much. When we look around, we start seeing the faults of everybody else that's around us. We don't need to look down in despair and discouragement and depression but we need to look up. Hallelujah. He's a Lord God mighty in battle. His train filled the temple. His victories filled the temple. Above it to, uh, stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain. He covered his face with one. Twain, he covered his feet. Twain, he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When we look up, we realize that the whole earth is full of the glory of God. Amen. And the door and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. I think when we see the Lord, we're going to like realize our words have either justified us or condemned us. Isaiah, you think about this. This was the thir first thing that he thought about when he saw the Lord and the victorious power of God. He said, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. You need to depart from me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm a, live amongst the people that are of unclean lips. Psalms 121, it says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. There's something about looking up. Amen. When we look up to the Lord, and I realize that God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's here. He's right here beside us and everything. But the Bible, when it talks about exhorting the Lord, it talks about looking up, looking up, lifting up that head, 
Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Hallelujah. There's something about looking up and realizing that our God is all powerful. That our God is victorious. That our God is our savior. Our God is our healer. Down here you're going to get a different report. But our God is able to do all things exceeding and abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. Look up. Look up to the Lord. My help cometh from the Lord. Another thing as we look up, you know, when we're encouraging people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we say, lift up your head, you know, lift up your hands, lift, expect to receive something of the Lord. And on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of the rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When you relinquish the power of yourself, when you surrender all, hallelujah, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's simply you just getting in prayer Lifting up your head, lifting up your eyes, lifting up your voice and surrendering everything to the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's when he comes down, takes control of the most unruly member of your body. And he speaks in a heavenly language, in a language that is unknown to you. Hallelujah. That's done by looking up. Hallelujah. Look up to the Lord. The second thing we need to do. I hesitate to even say this. I asked Tyler if I could say it. He said, yeah, you can say it. The second thing is we need to shut up. Now, I realize in the earlier portion I talked about, no, we don't need to keep silent. But that's talking in general, right? You understand the difference. When I'm talking about keeping our mouth shut, ticking a lock, biting our tongue, there's some times when we need to just simply shut up. Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. He said, I'm, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. I'm vile. How can I answer you, Lord? I'm just going to lay my hand upon my mouth. Jesus, when he was before the Pilate or Herod, I forget which one it was, and they were bringing forth false accusations against them, the Bible said that he didn't answer a word. He could have called 10,000 of his angels down and killed all of them. He could have responded and defended himself. In such a way, he would have been released, but he answered not a word. And even Pilate or Herod, I can't remember which one, mar the Bible says he marveled. He didn't defend himself. Do you know we don't need to defend ourselves? When you have the right relationship with the Lord and you're secure in Jesus, you don't have to defend yourself. You know, if a little kid, a five-year-old kid comes up, kicks you in the knee and says, you're stupid, you know. You kind of just brush it off because you don't have to defend yourself to him. But 
You know, if some one of your peers comes up and does that, you want to hit them back, right? Or come back with another slander, right? But when you're secure in the Lord, you can just shut it off. Amen. He answered him not a word. Proverbs ten nineteen in the multitude of thy words there wanteth not sin, but he that reframeth his lips is wise. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Oh, hallelujah! Whosoever keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul. From troubles. Sometimes we just need to shut up. Amen. The third thing, and I'm hastening, is to listen up. Look up, shut up, listen up. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, The word of God, it's quick, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen to the word of God. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You can prevent all of your arguments in your prayer time, <laughs> in your reading of the word, and allowing the word to come to you, and you can get that security from the Lord when the Lord begins to reveal what your heart is and show you the right ways to go. I can remember one time I had a confrontation that was going to have to come to pass with an individual. I'm driving. I had to go to their house. I'm driving over there. I'm, uh, what do you call it, loading my guns, both barrels. I had all the right thing. I knew what I was going to say. And halfway there, God said, a soft answer turneth away wrath. I said, oh, man. And I'm not a confrontational person by any means. I don't like it. But I thought, I had this one ready. You know, I was ready for this one. So I went up to the house and I used the soft approach and a soft answer. It was like they were a different person. Everything was solved. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Amen. Psalms 106.32, they angered him. This is Moses. Also at the waters of strife so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. That means to shout wildly in rage without thinking. Wherefore, my beloved, Ephesians 1.19 let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear. Amen. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame to him. Amen. We need to be careful with our words. Amen. Sometimes we need to look up to the Lord. Sometimes we need to be silent. Sometimes we need to be listening. But in all those different ways, we're able to bridle this tongue. And God will do the rest. You believe that? Let's all stand. <clears throat> We've got a couple minutes, and I just want everybody to come to the front if you're able. <clears throat> just a couple minutes and close with this last thing. Hallelujah. We can win the world 
with our words. Hallelujah. There's power in our words. All things are possible. The Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life. I want to speak life, don't you? I want to speak life. I want us all to pray as this prayer is Psalms 19:14. I don't know if they can put that up on the screen or not. Psalms chapter 19, verse 14. Most of you probably know it. But it said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Hallelujah. Can we just pray that as we're dismissed tonight? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for the Holy Ghost that gives us power, O Lord, uh, that overtakes this unruly member of our body. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray that everyone here tonight will be renewed in the power of the Holy Ghost. We pray, O Lord, that you would help us and lead us and guide us. God, let the words of our mouths and let the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. For you are our strength, O God. You are our Redeemer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you. We praise you, Almighty God. We glorify your name, O Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Jesus, Jesus. Glory and honor to the name that's above every name. Let us use our voice, O oh God, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. To exhort one another and lift one another up. To speak life into the lives of others. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Reach over, pray for your brother, your sister. Help them, O oh Lord. Help us each one, every one of us, Almighty God. Bind us together, O oh Lord. There's power. There's power in unity, Almighty God. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, Bow. Before you leave, I want you to give a word of exhortation to somebody in this place tonight. Exhort them. Give them some encouragement. Tell them it's going to be all right. In the name of Jesus.